Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I'm interviewing author Laura James about the latest instalment in her Fabio, the world's greatest flamingo detective book series. And we have some more reviews from our team of roving pupil reviewers. I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone. This evening I am chatting to author Laura James about Fabio, the world's greatest flamingo detective. Hi there, Laura. Hi Joe. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. No, I'm excited to have you. You're my first interview of the new year, so it's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. So the main reason that um, you've come on today is to talk about your latest Fabio adventure, Peril at Lizard Lake, and they're published by Bloomsbury and fantastically illustrated by Emily Fox, aren't they? They are. She's amazing. Yeah, she's yeah. done a really good job. They really do. They pop off the shelves. I love the kind of <clears throat> fluorescent vibe about them all. I know. They're sort of neon. You sort of need to wear your sunglasses to read them, but they're fun. So I'm no, really they are. And, and I totally judge books by their covers. Because your children tend to, so it has yeah. to have a good cover if it's going to leap off the shelf and convince, yeah. you know, me to read it. And I think that Fabio definitely does. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, could you just tell us a little bit about Fabio and what he's up to at Lizard Lake? Okay, so Fabio is the world's greatest flamingo detective. Obviously, it might be a challenge to think of another one, but there we are. <laughs> and um, he has a, a friend and associate called Gilbert. And together they, and he's a giraffe, and um, together they solve crime. And they live um, near the banks of Lake Lalusi. And yeah, they, uh, they um, solve all these crimes and uh, make ma- life better, you know, all these mysteries and stuff. So that's good. So at the beginning of Peril Lake, which is the third Fabio, things are a little bit quiet. And Fabio is so clever that, you know, He's like an athlete. He needs to use his brain. And uh, so he's getting a bit frustrated in the office. And Gilbert, who is slightly hapless, we have to say, I love Gilbert. He's so sweet. Anyway, Mm -hmm. he takes delivery of a new plane, which um, is probably not a very good idea. And I don't want to give too much away, but it possibly runs out of fuel and it lands them in the middle of nowhere but somehow they get caught up in a mystery which they then have to solve perfect (laughs) perfect so as you kind of hinted at a flamingo isn't perhaps the obvious choice for a crime solving detective why did you decide to do that why a flamingo (laughs) well you say that but in my mind it's just completely obvious um <laughs> but i don't know it um ideas come at you in a sort of mishmash of different things a lot of it is memories from my childhood and then it's coupled with something else and something else so um with fabio um we i just published captain pug which is the first pug book of my other series yes. and i was on a hen weekend in cheltenham and every, all the hens were really excited for me, which is lovely. The launch and they were, you know, very supportive. And one of the hens said, oh, do you know what? My, my daughter is really into flamingos. You should write about flamingos. 
Now, as other writers might know, uh, you get suggestions a lot. <laughs> you should yeah. write about this, but unless it means something to you, I personally can't do that. But I had been such a an Agatha Christie fan, a sort of a mystery fan when I was maybe a little bit older than this age range. I, I came to it a bit later, but suddenly it sort of merged in my mind and I was like, oh, a detective who's a flamingo and they look like they're quite clever to me. <laughs> yes. So, um, and I liked, the, the books look quite art deco-y. I like that era and this, it's a bit, um, you know, there's lots of things that inspire me, definitely Pink Panther, you know, things like that. Um, so I love that the books are beautiful and yes. and funny. And um, I love that era. I love the sort of, um, I love sorting out a problem, <laughs> which is essentially what a mystery is. So kind of that's how it all came together. A kind of perfect blend of ingredients for you then, wouldn't they? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So you mentioned um, his hapless sidekick, poor old Gilbert the giraffe, and you said that you loved Gilbert. Do you want to tell us, tell us perhaps a little bit about why you love Gilbert so much? Well, Gilbert's me, really. Um, mm -hmm. Fabio's, you know, on it. He, he, he works things out. He's analysing the characters and the situation, and he's one step ahead. Gilbert is several paces behind, <laughs> and um, he's always asking questions. But coming at things at a slightly odd angle, like, why have you asked that? Where, where are you? But sometimes he hits the nail on the head and he, um, he mistakenly brings about the answer to, in, to Fabio's mind. So he's just so endearing um, and sort of not sure what's going on. And also, I'm quite tall, so maybe that's why I associate with Gilbert. <laughs> Oh, okay, interesting um, peek into your psyche there, I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so um, we're three books into the series now. And I was just wondering, um, was writing the third instalment any different to the, the first? It was. Thankfully, generally, it gets a lot easier. Um, the first book in a series, you're creating the world and the character, the main characters, everything's new. And for me, I was writing a detective story, which is different from the pug books. I sort of free flowed writing the pug books and then reined it in and shaped it. But you cannot do that with a mystery story. You have to know, you have to plot very, very carefully. So the first Fabio, I sort of started off, oh, let's see what happens. And then mm. I got myself in a, you know, down a cul-de-sac and I had to change my technique. And now I plan the, the Fabio books. I definitely plan out much more carefully because you have to think I'm going to drop a red herring here, but I need to tie this up here and I need to plant the seed here. You have to really um, be, <laughs> be a bit more organized. Um, so it was. But this one. Uh, I have to say, Fabio finds himself in unusual territory. It becomes a bit more Indiana Jones, and it's quite action-driven. Um, and obviously, he's a he's a head person, which is kind of like me. I'm a daydreamer and in my head, so I'm not known as an act, you know, action person. Um, <laughs> so he's suddenly finding himself in new territory, and I I quite like that. And it was sort of um, it was a book that came relatively easily. I have a lot of angst when I'm writing, but um, it wasn't the worst one <laughs> by far. <laughs> oh, good. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah. 
But do you think there might be some more Fabio on the cards, perhaps, oh, down I, the line? I hope so. I, I Bags of opportunity and, and possibility for them. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Fantastic. And uh, as you said, Fabio is all about solving mysteries, sometimes accidentally, it would seem. Um, do any of Fabio's cases ever be become inspired by real life news events or strange stories that you've picked up on the internet somewhere and thought oh that would make a good mystery um no I, I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I, I because it's such a like I said it's like um the elements of a story come to me from so many different sources a lot is it memory or um you know some elements of a story that I've liked that I then change or um maybe there are real life things that creep in there that I'm not even aware of but it's sort of um it's piecemeal and it comes together slowly so I can't ever say it ever comes from one place um and I think I would worry slightly well obviously it would be a bit of a worry if there were lots of animals (laughs) (laughs) in the news (laughs) um hippo goes missing after her jazz singing you know (laughs) I would love to see that that would make me so happy to see that on the news because the news is nothing but miserable I would love a good jazz hippo I know as long as she was uh okay at the end of the story yeah Yeah. (laughs) obviously yeah that would be sad otherwise Oh, interesting thank you so you mentioned that you have also written for a very similar age group the kind of first chapter book kind of five six plus for those more newly confident readers you've also written um the fabulous pug series do you want to just fill listeners in on that in case they haven't had the pleasure of coming across them before oh thank you well yes pug was my first series so it is about a pug called pug and mm-hmm. his owner lady miranda and he's a bit hapless too um but lady miranda's got big ideas and she has um she wants to go on adventures pug would pr- probably prefer to loll about on the sofa and eat jam tarts which are his favorite food um which is sort of like me <laughs> um so but he is so loyal and he's so devoted to lady miranda that he goes on these adventures with her so the first one is captain pug then there's cowboy pug safari pug and pirate pug and they're illustrated i must say just by eglantine Solomon. we call her egg it's a lot easier to say but yeah. she's so super talented and um you know, obviously, illustrations for chapter books are so important. So I'm yeah. very, very lucky with both Egg and Emily for the Fabio books that they bring so much to to the book and the story. And, and yes, I've been very, very fortunate. Yeah, no, I think we're in a good time. There seems to be um, a lot more of these kind of really vibrant, highly illustrated first chapter books than there ever were when I was, um, you know, growing up as a reader. I think children today are so spoiled for choice with all these brilliant new titles just to to pick from well I don't remember books that were particularly good for this age group and I think I was very much stuck in school books um and not the ones that you just buy because you love them and they make you happy and you know Mm. so yeah I agree with you and I couldn't be happier with how the books have been produced I think they're a sort of a a lovely thing to have no I I agree people like them so Fabio and your pug series are, are for a very similar um age group and they're a similar as i said highly illustrated style what is it about that age group or that style that you particularly um enjoy writing 
Um, I, I don't know. I've never really analysed it as such. I just sort of fell into it quite naturally. So it's obviously what my imagination, that's where I feel most comfortable writing at the moment. And um, uh, I'm very proud of this um, sort of age group to write for because it's mm. the transition from picture books to reading on your own. So these books can be read to a child or a child can read them and they have chapters so they feel nice and grown up and they can stop halfway through or whatever and so it, but to me it's such an important part of the the reading journey I was really lucky I loved reading I grew up you know it wasn't a problem and I loved it but you know that there's so many kids that if you don't get them um enjoying it it's they're never going to pick it up you know and, and it's always going to be a chore and yeah. I really really want kids to love reading because I loved it and whatever they go on to do in life chances are they're gonna have to read something um so to make it an enjoyable thing and not some onerous task that they have to do is really really important yeah definitely no I completely agree with you and I think previously there has been just this jump from picture books to these much longer more serious um chapter books there, there weren't these lovely kind of transitional in between titles and I think a lot of children do tend to get lost in that moment mm. in that such an important moment where yeah. they're learning to read on their own so um you really really don't want to lose them at that point and yes i think the illustrations the colors um hopefully they all help to make it um enjoyable to read yeah yeah no i agree with you so what would your top three tips be for anyone hoping to write for a similar age group or audience and I'm terrible at picking top threes of anything so I apologize <laughs> for having asked you to do so um okay so let's hope I can count here what would I say um my editor um has always said to me um funny funny is so important why mm -hmm. would why would you not want to make someone laugh and enjoy themselves so funny for this age group is uh, you're not going to be dealing with I mean, personally, I don't think it's uh, necessary to be dealing with major issues in life. I just want them to have fun. Yeah, I just want them to enjoy them. Therefore, also interesting characters. If you're not invested in the character, you don't care what happens to them. So you've got to make sure that the characters are interesting enough that you want to go on the journey with them where the story is leading them. And then also, like I said, you know, the illustrations are so important and you're so I'm so lucky because um, the illustrations add to my story, but also I can be writing something and I can leave it in the joke is in the illustration. So I can say, um, Pug, you know, aren't you excited to be on this adventure? And then eggs drawn Pug looking the furthest from excited <laughs> he could ever be. And or, you know, Fabio goes you understand don't you Gilbert and Gilbert's like yes but he's actually scratching his head looking completely perplexed so yeah. there's so much that it's um it's not I do the text and you do the drawings it's sort of um we can bounce off each other and and hopefully they get a bit more um from you know they can embellish what I've written and I can sometimes let them have the punchline which is really really nice yeah, and I think it's really important that children do learn to read the illustrations and the text and look at how sometimes they agree and sometimes, as with Pug's face, they do tell very different stories. It's important that children realise um, that. Yeah, and learning a visual language is just as important, I think, you know, 
um, being able to understand imagery, um, particularly in the world that we're, the children are going to be growing up into, it's all mm. about images, isn't it? So it's a, it's a good skill. Yeah, definitely. No, I think I only counted two tips. Maybe I can't. Count. Oh, oh, uh, make it funny. Interesting yeah. characters. Yeah. And uh, you can use the illustrations to <laughs> see. Yeah. I can't count. That's because it's the end of the school day. You see, my brain's turned off from counting past two. <laughs> well done. I'm glad yours is still functioning properly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I was. We've talked a lot about um your books, kind of sitting in that transitional phase from picture books to longer chapter books. And I was wondering if you'd ever thought about maybe creating a picture book version of one of your Fabio or of Pug, maybe for younger readers or perhaps for siblings of children who are already enjoying your first chapter books oh I would I would love that and um I've got sort of ideas bubbling I'd love to do something to do with Christmas for Pug yes. and I'd love to do something to do with how he and Lady Miranda met mm. and how they came into each other's worlds and you could definitely do a really simple mystery um for Fabio something's gone missing or you know yeah um so yeah there is the potential and I think it would be lovely to you know branch out a bit and include as many readers as possible brilliant I'll keep my eyes open for that in the, the <laughs> year or two to come then thank you <laughs> perfect so are are you I'm sure you are are you working on anything that you can tell us about or is there anything for us to watch out for apart from Fabio in the next six months or so I am working on a another series mm. we're just in the editing stage and we've done the three I've done three books close together um so that then when we're editing them three close together which is quite good quite helpful but I'm not sure I can say what it is yet, but the first one will be out in the spring of 2021. Um, wow. so, sounds yeah. a long time away, but in I know. the world, it's not at all, is I know. it? I know, everything, particularly if they're illustrated um, books, yeah. take a while to come out, yeah. They do. And is this in a kind of similar first chapter book? Style? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will be on the, the sniff for that. I'll be looking on social media and things for clues. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Exciting. Thank you. Well, that has brought me to the end of all of my questions. So it just leaves me to say, again, another massive thank you to you for giving up your time to chat to me and to um, listeners this evening. And it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. No, and I hope that people will now go and find Pug and Fabio and enjoy your books and the beautiful illustrations as much as I have and all the children whose noses I have put them under when my paths cross in the right places <laughs> thanks Joe. thank you that's right my pleasure good night good night so now it's time to hear from our pupil reviewers at glenbrook primary school they've been reading and reviewing dino nights by jeff norton published by awesome reads and a brilliant picture book who's afraid of the quite nice wolf by Kitty Black, and that's published by New Frontier Publishing. Uh, so this book is called Dino Nights by Jeff Norton. It, um, what happened is um, Henry Fairchild becomes a Dino Knight, and what I liked about it was um, that he went to go and save his the um, Lord Harding and 
and uh, and what was it? and um, this lady called Anne Wynne, Lady Anne Wynne, and um, the score out of ten would be uh, would be nine out of ten. What could be better about the book? Um, that it could have added a little bit more pages to to make um, it sound a little bit more fun. Then, but it was okay. It was good for me. I've been reading Who's Afraid of a Quite Nice Wolf by Kitty Black and Lara Wolf. First they had a tea party, then lots of bad wolves came to scare a bunny and the wolf was sad. Then the wolf tried, crept up to the bunny and tried to scare the bunny but the bunny wasn't scared and the wolf helped him break and water her plants. Then, then they shouted at him and had a on. And how did the wolf feel? And the wolf felt sad. Then they what got score would you give the book out of ten? Four. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have, remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next one, which is with awesome purple-haired author B.B. Taylor about her very first early chapter book, The Vigilante Tooth Fairy. And um, if you want more reviews and recommendations, you can always find me on Instagram or Twitter as at BookSuperhero2 or on my Facebook page, Library Girl and Book Boy, or on my blog, which is www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com. Remember to subscribe. Talk to you soon.